It's religion today, it's ideology today, and our secularist friends also have a faith. Some kind of Disneyland fantasy. I know how this is going to get heard in the secular world. Where the pseudo-Christian masks are off. That's nonsense, ladies and gentlemen. Apologetics isn't just about giving answers to other people's questions. It's also about learning to question other people's answers or even question the question itself. In a Christian worldview. Well, welcome to quantum number 145. Now, Quantum, for those of you who are listening to this for the first time, is a podcast that looks at news and culture and events and religion um, from what I would call a Christian stroke biblical perspective. Lots of you who listen don't agree with everything that's said, but um, I hope it provides you with information. I hope it stimulates you to think and please feel free to put in any feedback. But what we're trying to do can be summarized by this wonderful clip from one of my heroes, Jordan Peterson. If you believe that reality is best constituted as a consequence of truth, then you have a responsibility to speak the truth. And you can't assess the consequences and say, well, that was a mistake because part of the decision that reality is best constituted as a consequence of the truth is the decision that no matter what happens is the best if it's a consequence of telling the truth. And so that's what I conclude. It's like, this is what happened because I said what I had to say as clearly as I could say it. And that's as good as it could be. Now, whether or not that's good, well, it's good compared to all possible alternatives, all possible realistic alternatives. That's an article of faith as far as I'm concerned. You know, our culture is predicated on the idea that truth in speech is of divine significance. It's the fundamental presupposition of our culture. If you believe that, then you act it out and you take the consequences. Isn't that amazing? Do you listen to that carefully? Reality is best constituted as a consequence of the truth. Therefore, it is always best to speak the truth. And it was this phenomenal phrase, truth in speech is on divine significance. And that that the, the greatest thing in our society is to be able to speak the truth. Now, that's what I'm trying to do here. We speak the truth. Lots of people don't want you to speak truth. They want us... You know, it's almost like they want us to speak lies in love. Now, we, we have to speak the truth in love. We don't speak the truth in hate. But it seems as though there are an awful lot of people who think that in order to be loving, you have to tell lies. So uh, as one of the key issues in society at the moment is, can a man be a woman? No, a man cannot be a woman. A man can dress up as a woman. A man can feel like what they feel like a woman feels like. A man can say that they're a woman, but a man cannot be a woman. XX cannot become XY. That's the truth. The truth is, we're all going to die. There are so many truths. And as Peterson says, do you want the truth on your side or do you want to hide behind falsehoods? Well, let's just go for the truth. All right. I guess when you hear this piece of music, you will work out what we're going to be talking about next.
Dolly Parton, D-I-V-O-R-C-E, and of course it's Bill Gates and Melinda Gates. Uh, they are, they've announced this past week that they are separating uh, because, quote unquote, they are not able to grow together. Of course, this is going to be an enormously expensive divorce. Uh, Mr. Gates is reckoned to be worth $146 billion, billion, not million, dollars. And divorce laws in their home state of Washington tend to place equal ownership on all assets acquired since marriage. So, it, but it's that phrase, we're not able to grow together. What does that even mean? How very, very sad. But then there was something else. Now, you, you, you may find this strange. You, this juxtaposition of Bill Gates and Johnny Rotten or Leiden, the ex-sex pistol. And his wife, Nora Foster, Forster. And he, he, he did this wonderful interview in The Times where he's talking about caring for his wife. They've been together 45 years. And he's talking about having Alzheimer's. This is what he says. I know it's going to deteriorate into something really, really terrible, but we're facing it with a sense of dignity. I mean, it would be easy enough to run away and say, oh, it's not my responsibility. Things aren't the same. Forgive his language. Bollocks to that. I'm John. When I can make a commitment, it's forever. And I stand by that. And I'm very proud to do the best I can for her. We've been together now 45 years. We're not going to change anything. You know, what's an illness between true friends, man and wife, lovers, whatever you want to call it? We are a proper pair of people who love and adore each other. I just find that wonderfully moving. Um, <laughs> and some of the other stuff in the interview, by the way, is great. Uh, he, <laughs> he he blames the modern vogue for correctness, partly on an educational system steeped in right thinking and intolerance. I'll I'll leave out the swear words, but he says it's just horribly, horribly tempestuous, spoilt children coming out of colleges and universities with beep for brains. And I put that in the most polite way. Oh well, I guess. Oh, like, look, let's let's just play a little bit of one of my one of my favourite Pistol songs. vacant we're so vacant oh so pretty vacant there's no point in asking you'll get no reply or just remember i don't decide i got no reason it's all too much i don't believe illusions because too much is real i don't pretend because i don't care do you know punk rock it wasn't that bad and there was a sometimes it was expressing in a very angry way truth all right 
So Bill Gates and Johnny Rotten, let's come on to the mad world. Let's mention a few things. First of all, this extraordinary thing, the Society for American Archaeology meeting held between April 15th and 17th had a pre-recorded lecture by San Jose State anthropology professor Elizabeth Weiss and attorney and anthropologist James Springer that discussed the role of creationism in archaeology. Now, if you're a Christian and you're a creationist, you're mocked, you're abused, everything else. But what these two did was they questioned uh, Native American accounts of creation. They said, uh, we are specifically arguing against the use of creationist tales to determine repatriation uh, and archaeological research. And they talk, talked about how they fought Christ, Christian creationism. And they suggest that that should also apply to non-Christian creationism. But this was apparently disrespectful to the Native American tradition. It was completely unacceptable and anti-Indigenous. And that... Uh, it, it sh should be removed. Incredible. Incredible. You think that's bad? Loudoun County Public Schools in Virginia have sent out a graphic dividing people into two groups. Now, <coughs> it's one of the most affluent school districts in the nation. And of course, it, the, the, the wealthy are the woke. So uh, this, those deemed privileged, guess who? White, Christian, heterosexual, 20 to 50 year olds, those born in the US, those who are able-bodied, college-educated people, English speakers, and those who are average or thin in size. This is serious. I mean, no, no, they are actually being serious. You're oppressed on the other hand, if you're a woman, even if you're a white woman, child, person of color, uh, except the color white, non-Christians, sexual and gender minorities, as well as immigrants, those who are disabled, and those who speak English as a second language. And you're oppressed, apparently, if you're overweight. 602 pounds. 17 stone, 4 pounds. 30 stone, 5 pounds. 40 stone. 40 stone. 40 stone. 40 stone. Oh, dear. Um, the idea that Christians as being privileged and non-Christians as being oppressed. Yeah, Virginia, that's Virginia education. Wow. But in the UK, not much better. A UK primary school trying to stop sexism being ingrained into young children. Andrea Park Primary, Anderton, sorry, Park Primary in Birmingham is encouraging its students to call out teachers for sexist language. Things like, boys don't cry, bossy, let's go guys, and boys and girls. No, no, no. Uh, if you use a phrase like boys and girls, says the head's teacher, you're in actuality adding to a sexist culture. The phrase, good morning, boys and girls, is not used in this school. Instead, all teachers say, good morning, everyone. It's a mad world. But I thought we also need to point out where it's a sane world. And here's the wonderful Trevor Phillips. And in case you don't know him, he is, as they say, a person of colour. Listen to this little bit of an interview he did with Andrew Neil. I mean, one of the key aspects of the text of critical race theory is that it has to have no data. Uh, data is uh, an 
and an obsession with words, I think is the expression, are said to be uh, characteristics of white supremacy. So actually, what critical race theory is based on is narrative, anecdote, what happened to me and my feelings. And actually, all of this, all of this adds up to two things. One is distraction from real issues, like pay gaps and so on. And secondly, an obsession with individual feelings, none of which, none of which will change a single thing for people of colour on either side of the Atlantic. Uh, one of the things that strikes me about, the, about particularly its depiction of whites, uh, that they are just irredeemably racist and there's not really much they can do about it except to the, uh, uh, the margins. It reminds me of uh, Calvinistic uh, predestination. <laughs> That, you know, it doesn't matter how you behave in this world. You won't. It's predestined whether you get into heaven or not. It doesn't really matter. And there's a bit of that about critical race theory. Well, look, I mean, let's be clear. It's a scam. It is straightforwardly a scam. Uh, you only have to go back to reading Tom Wolfe's uh, Mau Mauing the Flat uh, um, uh, Catchers, in which he describes the, the way the Black Panthers essentially took down... Uh, Leonard Bernstein and white New York society and played on their guilt in order to raise money for the Panthers. By the way, I'm full of ad admiration for their enterprise, but this has absolutely nothing to do with improving the situation for people of colour. And here is the other thing which I think is particularly pernicious. It makes the issues of race equality entirely about white people. It is entirely about what white people do, entirely about what white people feel. People like me simply become pawns or bystanders uh, who sit here begging you, Andrew, please be nicer to us. <laughs> there, there's so much in the whole interview I really liked, um, but this, that part in particular, critical race theory has got nothing to do with data. In fact, data and facts are just distraction from real issues. They... <laughs> They argue that it's all just about feelings. And as he pointed out, critical race theory doesn't help one person of color. In fact, it may well hinder. He, at one point in the interview, he argues that if he was a white supremacist, he would invent critical race theory in order to bolster his own position. By the way, um, a wee bit of theology, Andrew Neil talks about it being like predestination, where it doesn't matter how you behave in this world, you are predestined. Actually, that's not what Calvinism teaches. It's not what the Bible teaches. It's because you've been predestined to be like Christ that it does matter how you behave in this world. It precisely matters how you behave in this world. Ah, some more sane news uh, in Sweden. And this is huge news. Sweden. That cradle of liberal democracy, that progressive society, has ended the practice of prescribing puberty blockers and cross-sex hormones for children under the age of 16. That can now only occur within research trials approved by Sweden's Ethical Review Board. Great news. And another bit of uh, what I would call sanity from a US school teacher. Well done to this gentleman. Listen to what he has to say. Who gave permission to talk about this? There's two genders. If you're born with a penis and you have testicles, that's just anatomy, you're a male. If you have a vagina and ovaries, you're a female. A man cannot menstruate. A man cannot lactate and breastfeed a child. You cannot give birth if you're a man. 
If you want to be an adult and do whatever you want with your life, I'm okay with that. Don't push this ideology on children. I'm not going to work in a district that's okay with that. You need to make a clear statement on how many genders are there because parents, are they're, they're already pulling their kids out of public school. They're doing homeschool options. They're going online. It's going to increase as this liberal ideology comes into our schools. This isn't a political indoctrination camp, okay? It's public education. We want to teach education, not left-wing ideas that aren't backed up by facts or science. Thank you. Okay, but let's come into the intolerant world. For a man preaching about Christianity, look how he's ripping him, look how he's ripping him. Now that you heard there was the sound of a man called Pastor John Sherwood, 71-year-old minister of the Penfree Methodist Church in North London. And he was approached by police officers on April the 23rd whilst preaching in the town of Uxbridge. Sorry, by the way, if you heard that noise there, that was my daughter calling and... Uh, Everything has to stop when she calls because I love speaking to her. However, let's come back to this. So John Sherwood's preaching in the town of Axbridge. He's preaching on Genesis 1. And guess what he's supposed to have said? He apparently said that God designed families to have a mother and father and not two parents of the same gender. This may be a shocking thing that a preacher of the Bible is preaching the Bible. But he was arrested for causing alarm and distress in London for doing that. Now, when you see the video of him being arrested, these, I think it's four police officers taking him down off his little m crate and this polite, genteel, uh, gracious, older preacher being cuffed and taken away. I mean, it's no wonder that there's been outrage about this, not just from Christians. We live in an intolerant world, but that's nothing compared with Finland, where... Uh, the Finnish Member of Parliament, former Minister of the Interior, Pavi Rasanen, has been is facing six years imprisonment for allegedly committing three crimes, including hate speech, because she shared her opinion on marriage, on human sexuality, on social media, on television, and in a pamphlet. Now she said nothing that any of you who are a biblical Christian wouldn't agree with. And she rightly asks, she's a medical doctor, a mother of five, and a grandmother of six. And she rightly asks, why does voicing my religious beliefs mean I could be imprisoned? I do not consider myself guilty of threatening, slandering or insulting anyone. My statements were all based on the Bible's teaching on marriage and sexuality. Be prepared, folks. All right, let's come on to some other world news. Let's listen to this national anthem. Yeah, Viva España, that's the Spanish national anthem. And in Spain, Spain's Conservative People's Party has just fallen short of an absolute majority in the Madrid regional election. They more than double the number of seats. Their leader, Isabel Díaz Ayuso, I think is how you pronounce it. Um, the Socialist Party, the Prime Minister, Pedro Sánchez, slumped from 37 seats to 24. And... 
it's reckoned that Isabel Diaz Ayuso, apologies if I've pronounced that wrong, campaigned under a freedom banner and won 65 of the 136 seats precisely because she had uh, kept Madrid open during COVID. Meanwhile, to the north in France, the French government has threatened to cut off the electricity supply to Jersey as tensions grow over post-Brexit fishing rights. And Britain has sent in gunboats. And there's controversy over a statue of Napoleon. And then in China, let's go to China. Um, so many news items on China, but let me just focus on one. Uh, I'll mention some of them, though. Uh, China's Communist Party have funded Jacinda Ardern's Labour Party, says the United States. Chinese leader Xi Jinping has laid out plans to control the global internet. And, uh, quite fascinating this, China is stoking racial tensions in the West. And then this uh, article from the Sunday Times, where it reveals just how much China has been buying up Britain. There are almost 200 British companies either controlled by Chinese investors or who count them as minority shareholders. Their total investment is well over 240 billion. These include tech infrastructure, science things, trade, other infrastructure as well. But UK or American tech companies are not allowed to do that in China. Honestly, we need to open our eyes and see what's going on. Right. Um, do you recognize this tune? That is just a lovely little thing I found. Um, I can't remember, I think, some, I think maybe one of you sent it to me. It's Chopin, uh, or rather, it's not Chopin. It's Happy Birthday to You, played in a Chopin style. I just thought it was great. I mention that because one of the most significant items of news this week has been that the US birth rate has fallen by 4%, the largest single year drop in nearly 50 years. Births declined amongst mothers of all ethnicities and in nearly all age groups, falling to the lowest point since federal health officials started tracking it more than a century ago. And it's thought that the COVID crisis has accelerated this longer term trend. Do you know, it sounds paradoxical in a world that's obsessed with climate change, but within a very short space of time, I reckon within 10 years, it's going to be depopulation that's the major concern of most Western countries. All right, at the time of recording, um, the Scottish election is taking place. I was going to hold off for a day, but then I realised that they weren't going to be counting it until more than a day later. So we'll, we'll maybe discuss the results. Almost certainly Nicola Sturgeon will be back in as First Minister, <coughs> whether she has a majority with the SNP on her own or has to use the Greens. Um, but we'll see. We'll see. Opinion polls have been wrong before. 
I fear for my 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 country. Um, the English council elections are on as well. Hartlepool uh, constituency member of parliament election is on, and for the first time ever, it's expected to go to the Conservatives as Labour's red wall continues to collapse and the working class turn Tory. And the London mayoral election. Speaking of which, listen to Sadiq Khan being interviewed. I, I, I found this breathtaking, absolutely breathtaking. On the 2nd of June, um, you gave an interview to Niall Patterson uh, at Sky News, and he asked you, uh, to what extent then is it a matter of personal regret to you that London is less safe than when you took the job? And you responded, oh, it's not less safe, that's the first thing. So I had a look at the Metropolitan Police's statistics. And in 2015-16, uh, for example, there were 21,361 robberies recorded. Last year, there were 35,216, which is an increase of 65%. In that light, Mr Mayor, do you think the state in London is not less safe than when you took over was an honest thing to say? I do. And you you do? Pick it. That's extraordinary. I'm very happy to have a discussion on what the definition of robbery is, actually. So another statistic for you, then, which is a Metropolitan Police statistic. In 2015-16, there were 9,704 recorded knife crimes, and last year there were 15,003, which is an increase of 55%. Do you think the state of London is not less safe than when you took over was an honest one, honest thing to say? I think we are safer. I think uh, I'll, give you, I'll give you one example where you can measure success in relation to the progress we're making to deal with terrorism. Big you about terrorism. Another statistic, Mr. Mayor, in You talk about a post-truth world. He's given all the facts and figures about crime increasing, and he denies it. Just flat out denies it. Do you know what left-wingers would call that if Donald Trump was doing it? They would just call it lies. I think it is lies. Speaking of Mr. Trump, uh, Facebook, as the thought police of the world, uh, are leaving him. Uh, they have this independent board that costs them $130 million, apparently, $130 million. But they have decided that the ban on Donald Trump was, was correct, although it was wrong to make it indefinite. And they, this board have given them six months to work it through. You know, when I see what's permitted on Facebook... I can only regard that as hypocrisy. Our culture is predicated on the idea that truth in speech is of divine significance. Remember, we saw that at the beginning, speak the truth. That goes whether you're right wing or left wing. It goes whether you're male or female. It goes whatever your sexuality. It goes whatever means you are used to identify yourself. We need to speak the truth. As Christians, we need to speak the truth in love. That's what I'm trying to do. I'm going to finish um, with this piece of music, which is the drinking song from La Traviata. Now, as I mentioned last week, I went to see this opera at uh, Sydney Harbour, not in the opera house, but in the open air. It was a wonderful, wonderful experience. Although I've written about a couple of factors on about it that um, were... Uh, disappointing and in particular there were four young women who came in late who were I'm sorry to say this but they were spoiled rich brats the opera costs a fortune they weren't interested in the opera they were there to take selfies they didn't listen to anything that was going on which was a shame I mean I had to ask them to be quiet and the lady beside me said thank you you know they were looking at their phone all the time as well I just I felt sorry for them because La Traviata, and this drinking song, by the way, 
is saying, you know, it's about the stupidity of hedonism. We'll drink from the cup of beauty and drown the fleeting hour in pleasure. Happy pleasure. All else in life is folly. Let's yield to temptation. But that's the drinking song. And as you go through the opera, you get to the end. And as, sorry for the spoiler, but you maybe don't. As the heroine dies, she says the only consolation that's been offered to her is religion. And what a waste life is. Well, it is. See, we'll drink from the cup of beauty. But the beauty that we know is the beauty of Christ. And I want you to think about that. Um, please do respond to anything here if you wish. Let us know of any other ideas. If you'd like to, to help support the fundraiser, please do that. Go to the Podbean one. You get links to all the things I'm talking about here on uh, the Weefly blog. And by the way, please can you remember, and if you're in Sydney at all, uh, on Tuesdays started a new uh, kind of outreach thing, looking through Ecclesiastes and what God has to say to today's world. Well, pray for that. I pray for you. I pray that the Lord will bless you that you will know his peace and, and, and joy and beauty in this mad world. Remember, he is sovereign. See you next week.